Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Hard Currency, the podcast of the Financial Times on the foreign exchange market. I'm Roger Blitz and markets were most exercised this week by heightening in trade tensions and their impact on emerging markets. And if that's becoming an irritatingly familiar refrain, the new aspect this week is whether Asian currencies, very much the bedrock of emerging markets, are starting to feel the ripples that have already swept across Argentina, Turkey, Brazil, South Africa and others. Well, with us to look at Asian currencies is Mansour Mohiuddin, head of FX strategy for NatWest Markets, who's based in Singapore happens to be on a whistle-stop tour to London, the right person at the right time to ask the first question, Mansell, which is, why is it that Asian emerging markets stands out from the rest of emerging markets? Well, so far this year, Asian emerging currencies have done very well, despite, as you say, currencies like uh, the Argentine peso, Brazilian real, struggling South African rand. And it's mainly because the fundamentals have been still very supportive for Asia. Most of these countries have large current account surpluses, They have central banks that are willing to raise interest rates. And they've been seen as really a place for emerging market investors to park their funds when they've had troubles in Latin America or in South Africa or in places like Turkey. Okay, Correct me if I'm wrong, but we've had obviously several sell-offs in emerging markets before. And despite those excellent fundamentals, eventually problems in in other parts of emerging markets, more vulnerable parts, do tend to lap over into Asian EM eventually. So is the same going to be happening this time? The risks of that are clearly increasing. It may not be something that we wake up to tomorrow. It may take a few weeks or even a few months. But two things stand out here which worry me about the outlook for Asian currencies. One is the Federal Reserve clearly want to keep on raising interest rates as Chairman Powell showed. And then secondly, of course, the escalating trade tensions between the US and China. Okay, let's take both of those. First of all, Powell, who has taken a a different approach to his predecessor, Janet Yellen, about the risks of uh, global slowdown in certain parts of the world. I mean, Janet Yellen was, was very concerned about this and actually Fed policy was on pause because of that. It seems to be a different take from Powell. And he was uh, he, he had a chance to, to point that out at the Central Bank Symposium at Sintra this week. Powell definitely is different to his predecessor. And I think that's becoming increasingly clear. Mm. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One is just his communication. He doesn't hedge himself as much as his predecessor. And then he really does feel that the Federal Reserve's role at this stage is to focus on America's booming domestic economy and not so much on external risks like trade escalations. That's not a great environment for emerging economies when the Federal Reserve is being more hawkish. Right. And the second point you made, clearly the trade tensions. This is the new element uh, in regards to emerging market sell-offs of the past. Uh, to To what extent is all this pivoted around China in particular in in Asia, that everything hangs from... And it doesn't have to be emerging markets, of course, uh, and their currencies, which are affected. Australia, clearly, is is within the Asian region, clearly affected by this. 
Yeah, so China is obviously the, the largest economy by far in the region. That's where investors have become very focused on the risk that the US and China do es- uh, take an escalating trade war. But it spills over across Asia. All the economies in the region that send all their goods and services to China, all, already their currencies are being affected, as you say, including the Australian dollar. Yeah. I want to pin you down a little bit here, Mansour. When exactly do you think this effect is going to happen from the trade tensions. Walk me through the next few months. What in particular, obviously we've had an escalation of the trade tensions, another escalation this week. Are we going to see a pattern of, you know, week by week, this effect happening? Or should we expect a bit of a pause perhaps in, in this relationship? Sure, yeah. I think we're going to be in a process where we get announcements and then pauses and then fresh announcements. So this month, the big announcement has been the imposition of tariffs on Chinese Exports to the US worth $50 billion, and then the threat of an additional uh, tariffs on Chinese goods worth another $200 billion. Now, that second set of sanctions will probably take two or three months to take effect because of the US is having a public consultation period. Okay. So we probably don't have any further escalation for now over the right. summer. But come the end of September, October, if those additional tariffs look as if they are going to be imposed, that would be a step increase in markets' fears about this trade war. Here's the big question for investors, whether Asian or, or elsewhere, which is trying to game theory, if you like, the end of this process, or is it relentless. A lot of people I speak to point to the US midterm elections because they think that the rhetoric, the protectionist moves, the tariffs is all geared to Trump trying to appeal to his base. And that the, the more we hear about that, the, the, the more we can expect this, this protectionism rhetoric to increase. But they say that they think that once the midterm elections are out of the way, we may at some point see some kind of a resolution of this. Are they being too optimistic? Yeah, I have to say, I do think investors are being optimistic in taking that line. I do think that the uh, Trump administration clearly are going to continue with their trade policies before the midterm elections. And even after the midterm elections, they may keep those policies in place for a long period of time because the domestic economy looks strong. So even if you have tariffs being imposed, which affects the external side of the American economy, it may not have that much impact initially on growth and on inflation. Voters may not feel it too much over the next few quarters. If those policies are in place for much longer over a couple of years, of course it would have an impact. But a couple of years, as we know, is a lifetime for investors. Drilling down across Asian emerging market currencies, just give me a sense whether you feel Actually, it doesn't matter where in Asia they're all suffering. Is it? Are there weaker places like Indonesia or Malaysia? Are there stronger places? You know, maybe the Koreans, the, the those, the, the Taiwanese. Which are the ones where discrimination is taking place within Asian emerging markets? Sure. At the moment, we've seen some signs of weakness in currencies like Indonesia, large current account deficit economy. India as well, we've seen some concerns. But these concerns have been generally confined to specific currencies in Asia. The Korean won, Singapore dollar, Taiwanese dollar have been relatively resilient. My worry, though, is that if the trade war between the US and China really does escalate a lot more, then all of those currencies that have been resilient so far, as I mentioned, Korea, Taiwan, Singapore, they'll get dragged into 
uh, a general sell-off across Asian ah, currencies. That's, that's the, my next question, the general sell-off. I just want to ask you about scale, because we've seen some big, big moves in the likes of the Argentine peso, the Turkish lira, in double-digit terms in the last few months. Uh, but but while we talk about, while you talk about a weakening in Asian EMFX, are we going to see anything like that scale? So at the moment, we won't, because all of these economies have lots of firepower to defend their currencies, large FX reserves, current account surpluses. What there will be at risk, though, is if the, the US-Chinese uh, trade tensions continue to escalate beyond what we sure. currently envisage. And at the same time, if the Federal Reserve keeps on raising interest rates, regardless of what stock markets are doing. Okay. Just just on that raising of, of raising of rates in the US, the, the policy response from central banks within Asia um, is it a, is are, are these factors that investors are taking into account? Uh, there have been various rate hikes uh, that have taken place. They look quite sensible, the right moves to do. But ultimately, are, do they add up to too much? Is 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 there a sense that actually this is papering over you know some pretty clear cracks in 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 uh, in in asian economies um in the short term investors have been giving the benefit of the doubt to central banks in asia bank indonesia the reserve bank of india that have raised rates recently they feel that's a proactive move to help their currencies the more medium-term concern over the next few months, though, is that if the Fed carries on raising rates as we expect, it's hard even if Asian central banks start to match those rate hikes, investors will still feel it's too little, too late. Hard to say which is the bigger problem, the Fed or the trade tensions. It all adds up to together They're something. between the rock and a hard place, aren't they? <laughs> Just... Finally, Mansell, the political risk element, I mean, again, this is something that's quite clearly identifiable for a lot of EM investors when they look at, at LATAM and maybe in Central Eastern Europe. Um, uh, it doesn't seem to be that much around in Asia, but it can't be ruled out. That's right. Yeah. I mean, the biggest political risk had been between the North Koreans and Americans yeah. at the start of this year. That's clearly died down. One place I think we have to focus on, though, is Taiwan, because the US has been viewing Taiwan as a bargaining chip with its relations with China. Mm. That's a sensitive point, and it's something that could escalate a lot more over the next few months. And so finally, finally, in terms of the China and the particularly the PBOC, we've seen the renminbi pretty much give up all its gains this year now. Um, is, is that... Add, add, adding to the worry list of uh, of investors, or are you fairly confident that actually, it, whatever trade tensions are going on between the US and China, that actually in terms of Chinese central bank policy, that's going to remain fairly consistent? Uh, so far, investors are not too concerned because, yeah. as you say, the renminbi has given up its gains for this year, but it's really within the broad range we've had over the last couple of years between six twenty five and the dollar on the downside and towards six, uh, towards seven on the top side. We're in the middle of that range. If the renminbi was to weaken faster going forward, uh, for whatever reason, the trade tensions or a policy response by the Chinese, it would then spill over into all markets. And as we saw in 2015, it will affect every risk asset. We don't want to go back there. My thanks to Mansour Mohiuddin of NatWest Markets. Next week's big event is the European Union Summit, which has a very full agenda to tackle. So we'll be discussing the euro in some depth. Join us for that. Until then, from hard currency, it's goodbye.